good to see everyone on this sunny, long weekend summer Sunday. How's everybody feeling this morning? You look good. You look good. I'm so excited to be together. I just pray that over these next few minutes as we close out this series that you'll be able to really lean into something I believe God wants to speak to all of us in the room today. And I want to say right off the start that we really do see church as extended family. Hope you feel like family today. See some new faces in the room. Met some people visiting already from out of town, you know, summer travel. And so it's just great. However you got here this morning, you're part of the family. I hope you feel that way. I want to take a moment and, and celebrate some upcoming things. Summer is an exciting time here at Resonate. I first of all, I want to celebrate that coming up in, in 13 days on June the 13th is our Serve Day. As we take a day and we invest all over our communities, uh, showing the love of Jesus in tangible, practical, life-giving ways. And you can be a part of Serve Day this year. If you're already part of one of our small groups, then your group has a Serve Day project already. And you'll be hearing about it or have already heard about that from your, your group leader. And then if you're not a part of our small groups, you can still be a part of Serve Day. In fact, our team is ready for you in the lobby today. I see some red Resonate Serve Day shirts right down here in the front. These are the people you want to look for right after the service. They can help you get signed up with the project. Be a part of Serve Day. And just to show you what Serve Day is all about, we've got a video for you this morning highlighting what Serve Day looked like last year. So you can turn your attentions to the screen as we watch this highlight video from last year. here at uh, some townhome projects. Uh, a couple of our teams are here serving today, which is so great. Um, here to support the Tri-Cities Friends of Refugees, which is actually uh, an organization that renovates homes uh, in the area to bring refugee families in, gives them a safe, uh, secure place to live. Here we're hanging doors, cleaning walls, doing deep clean. Uh, we're doing some new cabinets, and yeah, it's going to be a great day. Because 
the premise of this series is, is an idea that I really think if we can wrap our minds around it could change the entire trajectory of your life. This idea that God sees more in you than you see in yourself. We talked in week number one around how godly humility is not to think little of yourself. God does hate pride. God does love humility. But godly humility doesn't look at a wall and think, I'm just not sure I should go for that. Godly humility looks at a wall or an obstacle and says, by my God, I can leap over that wall. Week number two, Pastor Troy brought a great message. He talked about Nehemiah and this idea that God calling out the champion in you is not so that you can have a role or a title or a description or any kind of elevated platform. Really, it's God, what he wants to do in you in the journey is living like a champion moment to moment, day by day. It's not a destination, it's a journey. And then last week we talked about the calling of Moses and this idea that God could be speaking to you. And you can even want to be hearing from God. You're just not hearing what he's calling out in you because of a past wound or a past hurt. And we talked about how God wants to bring healing to those things. Well, this morning we're carrying on in this final message this morning. And I am believing that by the time we're done studying God's word this morning, that you would have in you this desire, this passion to run after a God dream like never before. Well, here's how I want to start things out. Here's the premise this morning, this idea, and I want to illustrate it. Have you, have you ever played a store with a child that didn't know the, the value of money? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like our three-year-old Alessia right now, it's her favorite thing to play store. A girl just loves, loves she'll, she'll pull out her little cash register, she'll get some fake money out, and she will set up some stuffies that she wants to sell to me, and she'll say, Daddy, let's play store. And so what I'll do is I'll say, okay, how much for that one-eyed bunny right there, honey? And she'll say, well, that's, she'll come up with some number that doesn't even make sense. She'll say, Daddy, that's $6,800. And I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. I don't even know what to give you right now. <coughs> so I'll give her, I'll take for some play money, I'll give her a dollar, and she doesn't know the difference. And so she'll just say, thanks, Dad, and she'll put the bunny in the bag, and then we're done the transaction. Unless you want to do it over again. And I'll say, okay, well, how much for that teddy bear right there? Now imagine if I was to take some real money, let's say a $100 bill. And I was to say to her, uh, let's see, let me give you this $100 bill for that teddy bear. She would not know the difference between that and the dollar that I had given her before, the fake dollar. And I think that this is an illustration of what it's like in the room right now. That there is something in your hand and on your life more valuable than your ability to perceive in this moment. And I know it because of the way I perceive my own life. I know it because of the way I hear people talking about their lives. We know this because of what we see in the Bible from cover to cover. People underestimating what God could do through their lives by the Spirit of God within us. The potential that you have to build people. To call up the champion in other people. The potential we have collectively to impact this city, impact our nation, impact the entire world goes beyond our ability to perceive. And this morning, I want to look at the calling of a young man by the name of Jeremiah and see how God once again was thinking further and bigger than Jeremiah had ever thought in his wildest dreams. We pick up in Jeremiah chapter 1 where God wants to call young Jeremiah and he gives him a vision of what the future could be. And Jeremiah responds the way a lot of us respond. He goes, ah! At least that's the way I see it. I don't know how you interpret when scripture says, ah, that's the way I see it. Ah! Lord God. 
Behold, I do not know how to speak. And then he makes this assessment about who he is, and he says, for I'm only a youth. Now, you would think that the person that knows Jeremiah the best would be Jeremiah. Jeremiah spends all day with Jeremiah. Jeremiah's known himself since he was a young little boy. Jeremiah knows Jeremiah. You think you know you pretty well, don't you? You spend a lot of time with yourself. You might even talk to yourself. You think you know you pretty well. But may I propose to you that you do not know you as well as you think you know you. Watch what God said to Jeremiah. God said this in verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. In other words, before you, I knew you. And what did I do in you? Before you were born, I consecrated you and I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. So watch this, Jeremiah. Before your parents had that hot date night and conceived you, I already knew you. God knows Jeremiah better than Jeremiah knows Jeremiah. And what I see in this text is God calling out the champion in young Jeremiah. Watch this. Catch this. This is so important. God looks at Jeremiah and sees a prophet. Jeremiah looks at Jeremiah and sees a young stuttering kid. And I believe it's the same in our lives, that we do not see where God has called us to. We don't see the level of influence and impact that he's called us to. You say, Pastor Shane, is it, again, is it a role, is it a platform, is it a title? It's none of those things. It's collective influence for the kingdom of God. And we have not perceived what God has called us to, Resonate Church. Come on, somebody. Last year at this time, we did a message on this same idea of calling out the champion. And from that moment on, God did something in the summer we could not believe. I think it was July, maybe 23rd last year, I stood up on the platform to speak the message that morning. We were just one service at the time. It was about this, this fall at the time, or at the start of the summer, and the service had been growing and growing. And on July 23rd, you can go watch it on YouTube or through our website, I stood up and I said, what is happening in the summer? Because I don't know any of you people. Everybody I know is right now on vacation. I don't know you, but this is amazing. It's so good to have you here. We're so, some of you are those new people. And I believe God wants to do the same thing. I'm not saying that, well, I don't know what the summer's going to look like around here. Can I just suggest this? That when you're here, God's going to be moving. I want you to take vacation. Get some rest. Get away. Celebrate. Take a Sunday off. You won't go camping. We're going camping out at the service today. Just enjoy the summer. But when you're here, expect that God is taking us to another level collectively. God's going to unleash some dreams in this place. But how do we make sure that they're the right dreams? How do we make sure it's a God dream and not my own dream? How do we make sure that we're on the path that God has called us to? Well, what, is, what does God do with Jeremiah when he's thinking low of himself when God has called him to think big? Well, I, here's, here's the thing. The question I, I think we need to wrestle with is why do we think so little of what we're called to do? Like if God is saying all throughout the pages of scripture, elevate, think bigger, dream big. If God is calling up the champion of people, why are we stuck dreaming so small? And here's, here's the thing. Last week we talked about one of the answers. That you can be believing a lie about yourself that the enemy has been pouring into you for years, maybe even decades. But another reason is just the simplicity of this idea. That one of the most hardest and most difficult things in life is to live and act differently this week than you did last week. Like, if you've never talked about your faith in your work, or on your Instagram, it feels really weird to do it this week. 
You never prayed for somebody publicly? Most likely you did not come to church today thinking, today's the day you're going to start. If you're not used to regularly encouraging people, when someone opened the door, or hopefully opened the door, I think they have the gate open this morning, so probably no one opened the door, but someone welcomed you to church this morning. And if you're not regularly encouraging people, you probably didn't walk up to them saying, oh, it's so good to see you this morning. You're looking so fresh. Thank you so much for greeting me on the way in the church. You probably didn't do that. Why? Because that's not who you see yourself as. And it would feel fake. It would feel pretend. In fact, the person walking into church with you might look at you and be like, who do you think you are? <clears throat> that's not you. That's fake. That's weird. Can I suggest to you one of the most courageous things that you can do in life is to act differently this week than you acted last week? Jeremiah thought that speaking on behalf of God was the faith. That stepping up to do something great for God was the pretend version of him. When in reality, staying small was the pretender. Not talking about God in your workplace or on your Instagram is the pretender because you were made to speak and encourage and elevate and glorify God. Not praying for somebody is the pretender because you were made to pray for people and see God do miracles. Dreaming small is the pretender. Not encouraging that person on the way into church is the pretender because you were made to elevate and build and encourage people, but it just feels so weird to do something different this week than I did last week. We say this regularly to our team leaders, lead from your fingertips. Meaning, don't be so fake. Like, don't try and run and do like a million things differently than you did last time, but something that's right now in your reach, reach up and lead from that place. It might not feel like where you're totally at right now, but there is, come on, rock climbers. There's a, there's a place that you can reach that you haven't yet been to. Lead from that place. How does God call this out in Jeremiah? How does God get Jeremiah from thinking he's a stuttering kid to thinking like a champion? God does two things. We see the first in verse 9. It says, then the Lord put his hand and touched my mouth. And I love this. That nothing changes in the kingdom of God but my touch. God comes close. If you want to experience a change in your life, you need God to come close. You need to, you need to be in proximity. It's the same within church. Why do we gather together? Why don't we just do this all online? We could. Maybe you're watching this online. It's great to have you online. But why do we come together? Because nothing grows apart from intimacy and touch. You need to be touched. You need to be touched by God and by other people. Jeremiah is dreaming small. What does God do? He comes right up to him. He touches his lips. You need to be touched by God. You're going to start to change and live differently than you did last week. The second thing God does is this. In verse 10, God gives Jeremiah a dream. God says one word that's so powerful. He says, see. See. Look. I'm going to show you something that you haven't seen before, Jeremiah. See. I have sent you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. I want to give you a dream, Jeremiah. If I'm going to get you from where you are to where I've called you to be, you've got to be able to see it. I've got to show you a dream. This morning, I think every one of us in the room is in one of four places when it comes to the dream that God wants to give you for your life. Four places. You ready for these four things? I'll, I'll give them to you and then we'll explain them. There's either no dream. A you dream, a stalled dream, or an uncertain dream. 
No dream or you dream, a stall dream or uncertain dream. No dream. What does no dream look like? No dream is survival mode. You might know you're with no dream or living the no dream reality if the only thoughts you think throughout your day are, man, I hope the kids go to bed tonight. And I think that one anyways. But if you're only thinking that, oh my goodness, I'll tell you. Last night, I'm going to tell you last night. I'm going to tell you. It's just, it's just a miracle that our kids are still alive this morning. It's a miracle. Thank you, God. No dream is, is the feeling of like, oh, I can just make it to summer break. I can just get to next week. I can just make it through. Survival mode. And it's a depressing place. The Bible says this in Hebrews 11. It says, now faith is being sure of what we, say these next two words, hope for. And certain of, say this with me, what we do not see. So you've got to have some stuff in your life that you're hoping for. You've got to have some stuff in your life that you don't yet see, but there's some certainty about it in your own heart. You're like, I don't, I don't see it, and I don't know what it looks like, but there's something inside of me that believes it's possible, and I'm going there. What do you do when there's, when there's no dream? Because I believe for all of us in the room, you want to do as much for the kingdom of God with the time you have as you possibly can. I was talking to somebody this week from our dream team, and they're just telling a, a cool story of what's going on in their world right now. That their team leader saw the way that they loved people, and they served wholeheartedly, and they were faithful, and if they gave them a responsibility, they stepped up and did it. Not only that, this person would do more than was expected and came up with ideas to do things in a new and better way, all the sorts of things that you want to see in a leader. So the team leader said, hey man, I think that you should come alongside and help me lead this team. Well, this person that had been invited into greater influence was talking to me this week, and they said, you know, there's some things I think I can do in life. I feel like I do my job pretty well. I actually feel like I'm a pretty good dad. But the idea of leading some other people in church, the idea of leading guys who are older than me, who I look up to and respect, I'm just not so sure that I could do that. Maybe you're in a place where you have no dream because you're just not so sure that if you had a dream, you could actually do it. Maybe you're in that place because you think, you know, if God gave me a dream, what if I actually didn't have the strength to get there? I don't want to dream and then not live it out. This morning, I want to encourage you. How does God give you a dream? What does he want to do? Jeremiah would tell us. Come on, Jeremiah was the one who thought he was so small. This is what he said. If you need a God dream, what do you do? Jeremiah 33, Jeremiah says God's words, and he says, call to me. If you need a dream, ask. And I will answer you. What, what's God going to do? He's going to show you great. Oh, come on, somebody. He's not going to show you weak things. He's not going to show you small things. If you need a dream, call to God. What's he going to show you? Great and mighty things, which right now you do not know. You might be in the place of having no dreams. What's the next, the next place? The next one is the place of having a me dream. A me dream. It's okay to have me dreams, like stuff that you want to do in this life for yourself. That's really cool. I, I, I think there's nothing wrong with having dreams about something for your family, something for your own world, something even for you. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is if this is the primary thing that you're living for. Like, for example, money. Oh, what happens with a lot of us is when we don't have a dream and we start to think, well, what would a dream look like? We look at the culture around us and think, well, what matters to them? And then we start chasing after somebody else's dream that wasn't a God dream to begin with. 
And so money is something that we can have in our minds that is a dream to chase after. Money, however, is something to live on, not something to live for. Another way that we end up with a me dream is we think of something, and it could even be a God thing and a good thing. It's just that we don't invite God into the process until, like, step number nine. You know, you're like, oh, right now, we're kind of at that stage where we need, we've been saving up for that down deposit, or we're down payment, down deposit, sure. <laughs> saving up for that down payment. We got the money together, we're out looking at places with the realtor, and then we go out, we sign the paper, and we, we get the mortgage, and just so excited, and then we see the bill payments come every month, and then we're like, oh God, we need you. We need your help. We know, it's like, it might have been God's will for you to move into that place, but you didn't invite him into the process until you needed the money to pay for it. Come on, we all do this. I do this. Pastor Troy and I, this week, we met with the mayor of Coquitlam. Speaking of, actually, that serve day video, the mayor reminded us, or not reminded us, he told us some stories we didn't even know, that townhouse that a lot of our guys fixed up this year. The mayor told us that he was there the day the family moved in, and he just celebrated the work that our church did to get a place ready for a refugee family. Come on, just amazing. Give it up for yourself, Lord. So Pastor Troy and I and Brad from our team, we are meeting with the mayor this week just talking about some future uh, real estate things that we're hoping to do, not with our Sunday services we love here at this point in time, but just for making a place for junior highs and for youth and for interns and 21 days of prayer and staff offices and a place for the band to rehearse, a place to dream, a place to get together, a place to do leaders. Are you, are you getting excited? I'm excited about it. And so we're meeting with the mayor to talk about these things, and Pastor Troy and I just kind of, we came, we came aside for a moment, and we just said, we need to pray. Because this sounds exciting, and this sounds amazing, and there's nothing to announce to you. I mean, we're just constantly looking and trying to find it. Uh, Keith is in the room as well, just working hard to find the right space for us to have a midweek home for our church. I'm excited about it. But Pastor Troy and I just came aside and said, God, we're very excited about this. And we can see that you would want us to do this, but right now, in this moment, we surrender our ideas to you. We don't want anything that's not from you. God, we don't want to press on this because it's a good idea. We want it to be your idea. We lay our hands before you. Just completely let go of this dream so that we can know if it's from you. Speak to our hearts. This is how we end up with a, at what point was a God dream, but it becomes a me dream. We just didn't give it to God all the way through the process. There's no dream and there's a me dream. The third one is a stalled dream. And we've all been here before too. You get a dream from God and it hits a delay. And rather than pressing in and believing and reviving and getting around the right people to keep that thing alive in your heart, to, chat, to, to help you know if it's from God or not, it just stalls out. And I believe for God to breathe some life into some stalled dreams today. And then there's this fourth one. And this is the one I'm most excited to talk about. Because I think this is the one that most of us find ourselves in. And it's the uncertain dream. You don't know what to do, and you really don't know if it's from God. It's a vague dream. I can sort of see it, but I don't know what to do next, and I don't know if it's from God. This is the practical part of the message. Habakkuk uh, chapter 2 says this. It says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. Here's what God says to you if you've got an uncertain dream. Write it down. Take a moment and, and, and write it down. Put it on, on paper. I've got this spot in my phone where I write down God dreams. 
It's right next to where I write down what I read in my Bible on a daily basis. So I know that I'm going to see it every single day. At the point in time which I write all these things down, they're uncertain dreams. I think too often we get an idea and we feel like, oh, that's a God dream, yes! And some of us were like, we just never really dream for God. And others of us, like we have this, this idea and all of a sudden we're like, this is God, oh man, yes! No, you got to write it down. you got to see it every day. you got to wrestle with this thing. you got to get around some godly counsel and say, is this a God idea? And what I find is I write uncertain dreams down. And the more I start to take them to God on a daily basis, I start to really be able to tell, was this me or was this God? Now, I've got some dreams I've shared with you before and some I've not shared. And I'll just list some off that I know are on my list right now. I've got a dream of us packing out the Molson Canadian Theater at the Hard Rock Casino for Easter 2020. 1,100 seats for church. Come on, somebody. It's a God's dream in my heart. I believe it. I've got dreams, as I already said, about a venue for Resonate Church, both a, a next step with a midweek venue. And I've got dreams for the, the permanent facility that would be our Sunday facility. I've got numbers written down for what I think it would cost. I'm praying into it daily. I'm thinking about it all the time. Do we need it today? Absolutely not. We might be here for 10 years. Here's the thing. I'm dreaming of the day. I've got dreams about church plants. I've got cities written down for us to plant churches. And I don't know if God's going to do it, but I've got them written down. I'm taking it to him. I've got one that's a personal one. And this is a wild one. Like I, This is maybe nine months ago. I felt in a time of prayer, like I had this dream to write a check to Resonate Church that would be a six-figure check. And now you're thinking the pastor makes too much money. I don't mean it would be a miracle. But I just believe that at some point in my life, I have faith that I would be able to do that for the kingdom of God. I have no idea how that's going to happen. But if you've got investment opportunities you want to talk about, I'm your man. Because it's going to be a miracle. I believe for it. I just believe for it. It's a God dream in your heart. How do you know? If it's uncertain, how do you know? There's three things I believe, three criteria that you need to line up any idea, any uncertain dream against in your prayer times and in time with God. Three things you need to use to evaluate it. Number one, does it honor God? Is it about you or is it about God? That's number one. Number two, does it impact heaven? When you get to heaven, Will you be able to see the results of what you were dreaming about? And number three, is it seemingly impossible? Is it God-honoring? Is it heaven-impacting? And is it seemingly impossible? This morning, I believe in the Spirit of God is in this place. To begin to work in your heart. And say, see. Seemingly impossible means it's so risky that you don't want to tell it to that person that's going to be like, you know, I've got some dreams that I just, I don't really want to tell anybody because even, even some of the ones I've shared with you, like, there's, there's, there's always that person that comes up to you and be like, that's just that's not a good dream, that's not from God, I'm not really sure that that's ever going to be possible. Like, have a dream that that person would just be, like, that person would just deflate and discourage. Have it big enough that you know I should probably only tell some people that are filled with faith. Have a dream. That's how you know it's seemingly impossible. If you're like, I better be careful with this. Someone's going to think I'm crazy. God wants to call out the champion in you. God sees Jeremiah. 
made him a prophet even before Jeremiah knew who Jeremiah was. You might think you know you. God knows you better. God sees a gap between what Jeremiah thinks is possible and what is possible. What does God do? God touches Jeremiah and God gives him a dream. We talked about a dream. So how do we land the plane this morning? How do we close out this series? Because it's been a great series. It's been encouraging. It's been life-giving. I hope that you've begun to dream big for God. But how do we close this thing out? I've got one more passage of Scripture that I think just brings it all together to the right space. In Luke chapter 22. Jesus is hours before the cross. It's the night before the cross. And his disciples are having a conversation that does not seem to fit the moment. They're having a conversation about who the greatest is.
to ignite dreams in this house. Because you've called us to do great things. You've called us to rescue people. You've called us to serve. God, may we begin to dream. God, where we have seen ourselves incorrectly, God, give us a proper view of ourselves. I invite you to stand all over the room. As we go back into this time of worship, well, let's believe God to open our eyes. Let's believe Him to show us the next step in stepping out and leading on another level is to serve. Come on, let's sing. There's a grace when my heart is on to fire.
eyes and, and just see your week. See what's upcoming and see the thing that God's called you to do differently this week. Where's that place and where's that space where he's saying the pretender was living small, the pretender was holding back, the pretender was thinking that you couldn't be there. Come on, where's that place and where's that space this week? God, we pray together, Lord, that you would begin in this moment by your spirit to direct our hearts, God. We've been in this place where we know that we're known by you and we're loved by you. Now, God, just begin to challenge us to the next place. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Maybe as Pastor Troy said that today, we're just so passionate about next steps because we know it actually, there's a moment in that space where you're going to come face to face with what God put on your life. And so often the way that God reveals what he put on your life is not to... It's not to try to describe to you what he did for you. It's actually to say, go into the real world and try and use it. Are you okay if I just like tag on a little mini preach at the end here that I think will help you? Come on. If, if Lency, you have to close your eyes again for prayer in a moment, but you can open your eyes for a second. If I was to try and describe the $100 to Lency, she wouldn't get it. But if I was to say, baby girl, you take that into a store and you ask them what's the most you can get for it, she would get it. Why? Because she took it into the real world and tried to do something with it. Come on, somebody. You might not know what talking about. But you might just take it into the real world and say, God, I don't know what I'm going to get for this. But I'm going to use all of it. Come on. In Jesus' name. Let's bow our heads again. <laughs> you, God. I thank you, God, that this is the God we serve. God, that you are not a boring God, that you're not trying to put a lid on our living or our thinking, but you are better than we can imagine. But it's not for us, God. May we be willing out of that place of you calling us to bend down and serve the lowest among us, God. Give us the right heart, the heart that looks and breathes and thinks just like Jesus. You might be in the room this morning and you don't have a relationship with God. You just know that you're far from God. And today you're like, as you're describing, Pastor, who this God is, I just know I need to know him. Oh, it's, the Bible makes so clear the path to know God. First of all, the understanding of where you're at and that feeling of brokenness and distance, that that comes from sin, that this world is a mess and we all mess up and fall short of God's glory. But God sent Jesus to be the reconciler. He sent him so that you could believe in faith in what Jesus did for you and not need to find a way in the rest of your life to figure out how to get back to God through your own goodness. And so right now, in this place this morning, by a decision of faith, God says you can come back and be reconciled to me. No freedom, no forgiveness, no eternal life, no calling on your life. If that's you in the room today, before we close, I'm going to simply lead in a dismissing, closing prayer in just a moment. And I'm going to invite you to be a part of that and say, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. And if that's you, I'll ask you to do something a little bit bold. And then the moment I'm going to ask you on the count of three to raise your hand. Raising your hand, you're saying, I am praying that prayer today to either surrender my life to Jesus for the very first time or rededicating my life to him because I know I've fully walked away from God, but today I'm coming back. If that's you in the room today and you'd say, Pastor, include me in that prayer, would you just raise your hand on the count of three? This is your moment. One, two, three. Just shoot your hand up. It's just between you and God. Say, yeah, God, I'm coming to you today. I'm making that decision of faith. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So God, right now, we pray, God, for those who are making that decision. And if you raise your hand or you wanted to but didn't, pray this with me. Come on, family, resonate. Help those who are praying. Say, dear Jesus, 
give you my whole heart today and choose to follow you. I declare you the Lord of my life and believe you died and rose again so I can be forgiven and free. I believe that in this moment. Help me follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church, we put our hands together. Thank you very much.